Hello and welcome into another WKYT. I'm not going to say Facebook. I'm not supposed to say Facebook. You're not. Friday. What are you supposed it to say? It is a Sports Friday right here on WKYT, uh, both on Facebook Live and the broadcast. Okay. Lee K. Howard along with Dave Baker. Uh, we don't have football to talk about in terms of games, but we have some big football news to talk about. Also some basketball, both sure. women's and men's, and some breaking soccer news we'll get to sure. here in just a little bit. But, Buzz, I think the, the big story, at least yesterday, was Eddie Grant, the offensive coordinator at UK, deciding to uh, stay with the Wildcats, turning down the offer from Georgia. That kind of speaks to kind of where the uh, program is at this point. It kind of does. I think it kind of speaks to the, to the life of an assistant college football coach or a coordinator as well. I first, I first met Eddie Grant probably back in the 80s when he was Tommy Tuberville's running backs coach down at Auburn, and he had uh, Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams. And so he, he, was, he had a more open offense when he was with Tubbs up at Cincinnati. But Kirby Smart first became – I started talking seriously about Eddie Grant back during the season when they were getting ready to play Kentucky. He said that Eddie was, in fact, the most physical offensive coordinator in the league. And, of hmm. course, Kirby Smart, having played at Georgia, having been a coordinator for Nick Saban, believes in that kind of attack. And so I think the way that that Eddie used his running backs, obviously they've got a much better quarterback situation, at least right now down at Georgia. So I think the offer was probably over $1.1 million, but the people I talked to yesterday afternoon said they never felt like it was a possibility that he would leave. Uh, this staff is going to get rewarded for what they did. And, you know, Eddie's got an agent, and then you've got sure. legal people at UK, and so you just got to get it worked out. And so then he made it official probably a couple hours after that news broke. And it's, it's great news for Mark Stoops and, and the continuity of that program. Absolutely. I think you just hit on it, the continuity of keeping that staff together for another year. Of course, Eddie's the third offensive coordinator that, that Mark has had. since Neil right. Brown, Shannon Dawson, and now Eddie Grant. Mm-hmm. But I thought one of the more interesting things, Buzz, kind of seeing the tweets of other people not associated with Kentucky yesterday mm-hmm. was just how respected outside of uh, Kentucky just around the league and around the country that Eddie Grant is in the minds of other people. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think the job he's done, I mean, I mean, bears that out not only here but at other places. The other thing, too, was I think there was some concern that if he left, he, he would uh, go ahead and take Darren Henshaw with him. And, and so that would have been something. And, and we talk about that staff continuity. It's been a big topic of conversation this week. I mean, especially because of what happened in the national championship game. You, you look at Clemson. And Dabo Sweeney's really had no, no turnover in his staff. Right. And Nick Saban has dealt with it each and every year. He's dealt with it this week where he had one offensive coordinator leave to become a head coach, had another guy from the offensive staff leave to become an offensive coordinator. So it's been kind of a revolving door there for him, and I think it caught up with him a little bit in the national championship game. And and it's always a good thing when other programs are coming after you, either your head coach or your coordinators, even even if it's your quality control coach, it just means that they're doing something right. That's right. That's right. And it means that other folks have seen what you're in fact doing and they want it replicated to their place. And as far as the offense goes, for Terry Wilson, for Lynn Bowden, for you know a lot of those guys, that is big to have him back. And, and he, of course, knows what they have in the cupboard. And, and apparently the cupboard's not bare, else he would have probably found somewhere else to go as well. All right, so that's football. And if you have any questions, by the way, and you're watching right now as we speak on mm-hmm. Facebook Live, be sure to hit us up and we might get to a few of your questions, or you can just let us know where you're watching from. We've got some people from Barrie, from Paris, Kentucky, from sure. Pikeville, um, all over the place. So awesome. just let us know where you're watching right now. Um, let's get to some basketball. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the men, let's talk about the women, because last night the women go down to Rocky Top sure. and come away with – it was just a two-point win over the Vols, but it was a much more dominating win for the Wildcats over Tennessee last night at two points in the game, first once in the first half and sure. once in the second half, led by 17. That is a huge program win, first time since 2014. 
It, it really uh, was a big night for women's basketball overall because you had sure. number two Louisville going to number one Notre Dame, and then you had that top 20 matchup between Kentucky and Tennessee. And regardless of what people say and what's happened recently, I mean, in terms of reputation and in terms of program prestige, Tennessee is still that gold standard. Right. And, of course, Matthew Mitchell started out his career down there, uh, you know, doing some work, doing some camps for Pat Summit, and certainly she was influential on his career. And it's just a tough place to win. And, and as you said, they not only went down there and won, they dominated. I mean, it was, it was a close game at the end. You knew Tennessee was going to make a run. But, I mean, Kentucky led wire to wire. Yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons why it did come down to the end, of course, was be, if you didn't watch the game, just before halftime, the starting point guard, Taylor Murray, went down with an injury, did not return in the second half. Ryan Howard, who's been a sensational freshman, one of the best in the, in the country. And by the way, Miss Tennessee basketball last year somehow right. got out of that state. And, and then, of course, Macy Morris, who had 27 points, huge game, but both Howard and Morris fouled out of the game right. late in the game. And the Wildcats really had to stumble down the stretch to find some offense. And after the game, Matthew Mitchell talked about the way that his team was able to pull it out and come together in the end. I thought we really stuck together tonight in tremendous adversity. You know, um, we're all concerned there at halftime about uh, Taylor and then we didn't have her back and she's such a big part of what we do and you know she made tough plays kept her poised and uh, able to make one more play than Tennessee so um, you know I would I would characterize it as just sticking together and um, believing and we talked about confidence before the game and I think we were able to maintain our confidence through really difficult periods in the game. Yeah, big win for them, uh, by the way, Winchester, Jamestown, Harlan, people, Carlisle, from all over the place watching right now. But I love that. Yeah, yeah, big win for the women, and uh, they go, uh, they play Ole Miss here at Kentucky here in Lexington on Sunday. you, you got to have depth, and certainly Ryan Howard and what she's done in the multiple times that she's now won SEC Freshman of the Week. But Jada Roper hit yes. some incredible <laughs> shots down the stretch last night when she was called upon to step in and step up. And it sounds like that old coaching cliche, but that's exactly what happened last night. All right, so would you call the women's basketball team empowered? That's, that's of course. Uh, that's willing a, passers. Yeah, willing passers. Willing so they, passers. They, did they have the will to win after a, after a big win like that last night? Of course, we're transitioning now to the, mm-hmm. men's, the men's team and uh, the Wildcats coming off the win over Texas A&M. Right. At times in that game, it was pretty. Uh, to start the first and, and to start of the second half, it was not pretty. Sure. And somehow they got the win there at the end over a team that they probably should have beat. But Calipari keeps to, to bang that drum, and that's kind of his new phrase this year, talking about being willing passers, but also uh, talking about being a, uh, a player-driven team, not coach-driven team. Right. And, and, and he's touched on that before. It's player-driven. It's empowered. He, he wants guys out on, out on a court to do as much coaching, not X's and O's wise, but effort, intensity, things like that. Get the ball to so-and-so. Hey, you get over here in this position. And, and I think it, it, it frustrates people sometimes, but I think it's at the essence what he's all about in terms of he wants guys to come here and do everything he can to get them ready for the next level. And he believes if he does that, it'll also lead to championship basketball here. So instead of micromanaging and calling all these sets and everything, you know, typically what he'll do is he'll talk about, okay, if you're, if you're over practice or something, it'll be like, all right, go here. I want you to go to the nail. I want you to come down the elbow, do a zipper cut. And from there, just play basketball. And it always ends with just play, just play basketball. basketball. And that's what he wants those guys to do. And of course, if he had a veteran team with, with guys who had played sure. years together, that would be easier. But of course, he knows this is something that he has to go through every year. Yes. And he wants everybody to be patient and, and himself included he's got to be patient with what he's trying to teach mm-hmm. these guys but I think they make strides and they make steps but here's Cal after the game talking about his team not quite in power just yet 
anticipates, and he does get his hands on balls. He anticipates. So he's not going to – we have guys that when their man catches it, they start playing. He's playing before his man catches it, and if he sees an opportunity to go after a ball, he does. If he sees an opportunity to de deny his man the ball, his man doesn't get the ball. All right, we actually led you into the wrong soundbite there. We were he was, of course, talking about Ashton mm -hmm. Hagens and the way he's been pretty he, good, right? Yeah, not too bad. The way he anticipates and plays on defense, we knew he could be a defensive player. And the other night, he he showed his offense as well. He really did, and and, and I think he's given kind of a charge. And again, everybody wishes Quade Green nothing but the best. Mm -hmm. But that old phrase about addition by That's subtraction, yes. I, I think you've got some guys that maybe aren't looking over their shoulder as much anymore to, to be concerned about when they're coming out. And Hagens has just really set a tone, and what he has done defensively has, has led to good things happening on offense, whether it be in transition or after they get down and get set up. And, and it seems like in years past, Buzz, we've seen players, and last year was a perfect example, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, mm -hmm. who I looked up, it was January the 9th of, of last year, in that A&M game was his first game to make a start at point guard right. for the Wildcats. And he went from the guy who was at the end of the bench to the guy who was the, the lottery pick from, from nobody to somebody in, in that short amount of time. Now, Hagens has been starting for the Wildcats for a month or so right, now. Right, absolutely. But he is, it seems, I'm not saying he's going to be a lottery pick, but he's on a trajectory kind of like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Three games in a row now, he's topped his season high scoring, and, and he's really becoming kind of a go-to guy. It's, it's like that whole thing, like all these five-star rankings and everything. They're all good <laughs> and everything, right? Right. But it's like, where are you at the end of the year? I mean, everybody, it's great to be the preseason number one. But seriously, where are you at the end of the season? And, 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 I, and I think with – I don't know if there's one exception or not, but the one thing I think that has happened consistently is that each and every year Cal's teams, for the vast majority of the time, have been better at the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're looking for from a coach and from a program and from players. And you touched on the quad A green uh, subtraction. The, the other guy who's really benefited from that least recently is Jamal Baker. I mean, well, right. he's come in and played some meaningful minutes. He has. Uh, the first thing he had to do was get himself healthy. Mm -hmm. And then he had to get his confidence back. And then when Cal rolled him out there, you know, and it's been kind of the same thing with Nick Richards. Okay, I'm going to – you earn your minutes of practice. I'm going to roll you out there. But when I roll you out there, you better play hard. And you better be able to produce or else somebody else is going to get those minutes. All right, let's go back to Cal. And, and this time we'll hear from him talking about being empowered and, and getting his team to where he wants them at this point in the season. They're not empowered yet. Let's just say that. At some point, if this team's going to be what I believe they can be, they could be one of those teams, they have to be empowered. That means that I shouldn't even talk about effort and intensity and fight. Shouldn't even come out of my mouth, not once. And there should be times they huddle and talk. Instead of me telling a guy, why would you break off that play? They grab him and say, why did you do that? Today I like the fact that EJ got after one of the guys and said, pass the ball, man. Why are you being selfish? They need to. If they have to have it all for me, I don't want to do it. I don't have fun doing that. I have fun cheering. But the other side of it is we got to win, which means I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get these guys over the finish line. Today I was like dragging, literally dragging. I'm exhausted right now. Well, let's hope he's had some rest because they've got another game tomorrow night. It's a late it's one uh, against Vandy. And uh, this is a team, Buzz, I think the Wildcats should beat. But, of course, it's Vandy, and they can give the Wildcats a – 
uh, a game. But tomorrow night, late tip, like I said, 8.30 on the SEC Network and a chance to uh, go up 2-1 to one in the conference standings. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're looking for uh, uh, taking on a Vanderbilt team who's mm -hmm. in a similar situation, a team that came in here uh, and, and played a really good game against Kentucky uh, a season ago, I believe, believe it was, uh, since Drew has certainly been there. And, it, you know, it's funny. Cal talks, and you hear him talk in those places. He's always talking to somebody. Oh, yeah. It's not just an answer. It's an answer with a purpose. And earlier this week, he talked about, guys, what was the phrase he used? It wasn't junk or noise, but, oh, you got to get rid of the clutter. Cl clutter. Got to yeah. get rid of the clutter. And what he was talking about is the people that are around all these players that are saying, man, dude, you got to get more shots. You've got to create your own if you want people to look at you, da 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 And so I'm sure there have been some people in the clutter group now <laughs> that have been chirping about Cal getting on people and everything. And right there, he was basically saying, I don't want to do this, right? But this is what I got to do now. So if unnamed so and so does this, I won't have to do this. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think you're right. Vandy, a team that the other night, Wednesday night, I watched some of the game with Georgia. Yep, they ended up losing by 20. But the crazy thing was, it was a, uh, a one point, two point game all the way to the very right. end, and then Georgia ended the game on an 18 to two run or something ridiculous like that. So sure. the actual final score looked a lot, lot bigger of a spread than the actual game. And, was. and I'm not going to go into Cal speak, but what'll happen now? You know, not that not that anybody would wager anything, but if you do wager, <laughs> but if you are in that sort if, of thing, if you are into that sort of thing for <laughs> a, a drink or something like that, a soft drink, uh, look at teams what they do ahead of Kentucky, and look at what they do after they sure. play Kentucky. And somebody is either trying to recover from having a good effort or losing to Kentucky, or somebody is looking ahead to going into Rupp Arena and playing a game like that. And I think maybe that's what, what happened to Vandy the other night. And I would, expect them, uh, I would expect them to play much better tomorrow night, although you know this from everything you've covered as well. There is nothing more difficult in sports. So they're going to probably get on a bus. They'll come here and shoot tonight. That's right. And then they won't have anything to do till 8.30 tomorrow night. It, it, it is incredibly yeah, difficult. all day long. Yeah. Right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, you're in your hotel room. It's not like, you know, you can go get a, you know, you can come and get some shots up or everything. But there's just nothing to do. Yeah. And if it's snowing tomorrow, there's really going to be nothing it, to it, do. It apparently is going to be snowing right, tomorrow. Right, right. So. so, you know, you just walk around the hotel. And so how do teams react to that? Veteran teams usually handle it pretty well. Younger teams like Vandy, we'll have to see. Well, you can, you can bet they'll definitely be up for that game tomorrow night against the Wildcats. All right, we're going to end this with some soccer news and some breaking soccer news. Come on, news. go, go! And, and, I, and I treat you as kind of the authority on Stop UK soccer it. at this Stop point. It. I mean, you, are, you have been leading the J.J. Williams bandwagon, so I'll let you well, take Well, he's led here. it because he played so well. But, of course, this time last week, Williams was one of the three finalists for the Mac Herman uh, Award, which is the top college soccer player. And right after that, he posted a video on social media saying uh, that, he was uh, turning pro with one season left. What they have is they have the uh, combine right. uh, for Major League Soccer, and it allows players at that to get feedback on what they think. They thought he would be a top 20 pick in the MLS draft. They call it the Super Draft took place. It's still actually going on in yeah, Chicago as we speak, right? right now. And so just a little while ago, uh, 18th pick, the Columbus Crew. And there, in fact, is J.J. Williams. And it's really oh, interesting. Awesome. Uh, all the analysts on the deal thought that Cincinnati FC might get him. This is the first year they're going to have a club. So they thought he would attract, uh, he would attract uh, fans and things like that. But they traded a pick down. And if you remember, Columbus was all set to move to Austin, Texas uh, uh, until... Uh, Jimmy Haslam, who's the owner of the Cleveland Browns, came in, pumped some more money into Columbus, 
and said, we're keeping this franchise here. So obviously uh, a lot of folks up there, Kentucky played Ohio State this year, and a lot of folks uh, familiar with J.J. Williams and what he can do and the record-setting year he had for the Wildcats. And so I don't know what anybody makes in something like this, right? But the 18th pick of the <laughs> That's draft. That's pretty good. I mean, congrats. And He's got to be up there in Buzz Baker money at this no, point. No, stop it. All, all, all the years I've been around, this is the first time uh, Aaron Gilliland was selected right, on the she, women's side, uh-huh. right? I don't know that there's ever been a, a U.K. male since I've been here, so congratulations to J.J. Williams. Yeah, that, that's huge. And like you said, you thought maybe Cincinnati, a regional pick, would, would, right. would take him, but Columbus is not really that far away either. No, so. no, no. no a little three-hour drive would be a good road trip for some fans here in Lexington. And I know you'll keep up with it. Come on, let's and go. Give us the J.J. Williams Let's go. Update. We'll get Bailey to drive the, uh, the van. Yeah, as soon as he's over there, as soon as... Soon as soon as the he snow loves clears, a road trip. he does. He's, He'll have one of those little yeah. things on top spinning around to give us all the readings. Yeah, I, I pictured that. him more like Clark Griswold, uh, no lead, leading our our road trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we want to thank all of you for joining us uh, once again on this Friday WKYT Sports uh, Extra on both Facebook yes. Live. And, yes, and yes, he got our, it. Yeah, I got Come it. On. Second time and you the podcast. You can't uh, stop We'll try it. to do this every Friday. So yes. uh, thanks for tuning in and thanks for interacting with us and uh, have a great rest of your weekend.